0: And once again, welcome to L I and the A.M. with Jay Oliver. I'm Tom Shalero sitting in for Jay. And uh, L.A. News Radio time is 7.31 a.m. And uh, we've got uh, a great show for the rest up until the 9 o'clock hour. We've got some uh, great guests coming on. Ken Bombace, who is no stranger uh, to L I and the A.M. with Jay Oliver, talking about some of the things that he has been doing some of the issues that are out there Uh, ken ken bombay is the ceo of global threat solutions uh security consultant protection services intelligence uh ken has offices in new york and la he's a former army intelligence captain that led counter insurgency operations in samara iraq He's a retired criminal intelligence detective and professor of criminal justice at Farmandale. Served in Germany during the fall of the Berlin Wall. We're just waiting for Ken to call in. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about some of the uh, issues that are going on right now, particularly what's happening in the South Huntington School District, which I find really amazing that um, um, many school districts, not many, I would say a handful of school districts here on Long Island have uh, settled in on what they wanted to do as far as security is concerned and many had hired security guards Uh, but some of the districts are going the one step further and saying listen what's the best way in which to handle this is to make sure that we have seasoned officers and officers that have served in the new york city police department nassau county suffolk county most of them are retired or even off duty to work for some of the security consulting companies uh, that are out there uh, to protect our schools and uh again when one thinks about it um what is the best thing obviously armed guards would help quite a bit and and the south huntington school district just voted uh this week so we do have uh ken on the line ken bomb base and uh really to take up this topic but let me just say ken Thanks for joining us here on Line the AM with Jay Oliver. As you know, I'm Tom Shalero. You come on my show quite a bit. I know you're on, uh, on uh, Jay Oliver's show quite a bit, so people are getting to know you. And, of course, the uh, latest with uh, what South Huntington is doing is quite interesting, I thought. Uh, y- your thoughts on all of this, but let me just say hello, Ken. How are you?
1: Morning, Tom. Thanks for having me on.
0: Always, always a pleasure. Now, um, I was a little surprised that it received the uh, publicity that it did, the South Huntington, because to me, I know there's a few districts that have already done this. Uh, why do you think now it's starting to get some more play than before? And should school districts do this? Ken Bombay.
1: So I think obviously it's because of the continued uh, mass shootings that we're seeing across the country. And that's why this vote occurred. And uh, even though there are those who oppose this, and it's a bit controversial to have armed security in the district, there was a unanimous vote to do exactly that. And I have a lot of experience in this, Tom. As a detective, I handled many school threat investigations where there's potential uh, threats of someone bringing a gun to school, violence threats to people. And I also was, uh, uh, was utilized to train in active shooter response for schools around uh, Long Island and superintendents and principals. Um, So I I understand the threat that exists, and I can tell you, I think the opposition to having armed security in schools, it's mostly emotional. That's what it is. It's like, you know, people have in their mind, guns bad, we don't want them in our school, even if it's with a retired police officer, which doesn't even really make sense. Now, people can argue the effectiveness of it in a mass shooting uh... incident sometimes there's been some armed security at schools, and it hasn't been that effective, and other times it's it's been highly effective in stopping a threat and saving lives. but I definitely don't think it's going to hurt. you know I think it's like there's this emotional response we don't like guns, we don't want them anywhere near our kids. I understand that, but when it's with a trained law enforcement professional, and I do agree that that's key when having security in the schools. And, and my firm, we we perform these services, too, Global Threat Solutions. We use only law enforcement because they're coming with the training. They're coming with the understanding of how to respond to these threats, plus the training we give them. I think it's, it's a smart move for any district who is concerned about those types of threats to have retired law enforcement providing security there.
0: Sides of the debate, and according to the union president, uh, Dennis uh, Callahan, he's the president of the of Walt Woman High School, I guess the teachers' union over there. He said that he's hearing uh, uh, both sides on his. Some members are saying this is great, let's do this, and other members are saying no, we don't want any part of this. and I try to understand the no, we don't want any part of this uh, side because, again, I guess people like you and people like me who've been in law enforcement, we know the training. We know the temperament. We know what goes on. So we know that if you can get uh, if you can get 35 years of experience, or let's say a retired police officer, 35 years on the job, uh, who's essentially gone through so much in terms of training every year, the temperament and so on, and have them in a school, uh, that is, is only going to have a, a better result if, God forbid, the horrific happens. And and I go back to this. I go back to my images of uh, watching the Uvalde tape, and I know you've watched it, and that uh, when that tape at, at about, and I, I happen to have the uh, the time sequence at 11:33, 11:33 a.m. the uh, the the perpetrator, the the monster. Entered that elementary school through an unlocked door And began walking down a hallway Carrying a rifle An AR style type rifle And he was looking around Obviously looking for a classroom Where he entered the building There were no classrooms He had to make a right down the hall And the first classrooms was a double classroom That he saw on the left And you could clearly see this Because there were cameras all over the place Now uh, The proposal by the South Huntington School District Was to have at least one if not two armed guards during the school day and that's when they need them is that's when the uh, the students are in the school and would need to be protected and i kept and i as people like myself and people like you we watch this the adrenaline is is pumping you're looking at that and saying my god i wish i was there i wish i was there that's the first thing because if this had happened with an armed security guard there and th- these elementary schools are not they're not shopping malls They're kind of smaller buildings, and they can be easily watched and policed and so on. That would have had a different result. That's the only way that I could think of it, that I don't think there would have been any question that you see a person carrying a rifle upon entering an elementary school. There should be no question to that. I mean, your thoughts on that uh, in terms of. Uh, I think I think it's a very good thing. I, I'm taking a position here. It's a very good thing for school districts to use retired or active-duty police officers, put them in there, they would take a monster like that out, and we wouldn't have the horrific uh, sadness that still permeates Uvalde, Texas, the state of Texas, and the United States of America.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I mean, I, again, I think it's an emotional response. To not have it. What is the concern? Are they concerned that these firearms that law enforcement officers would have on school property are actually gonna hurt children? And what is the the fear over this? Or is it just an effectiveness model? And again, have it like you just mentioned when you've all can you imagine some of that that uh subject was approaching the school overtly with a weapon? You had someone posted at your front door to the entrance, they could have stopped that before anyone died. There's, you know, that's the idea behind this. And you give these officers specialized training, too, for specifically for your site and your schools. They can help implement active shooter. It's not just an immediate arm response. They could help implement um, reaction, a response for the students, get them in rooms, lock them down. For so long, I can tell you I've taught this, for so long there was a stat out there, and this is way beyond Columbine and so many other shootings, I believe even Virginia Tech, where... Not one person was ever killed in a locked classroom. So they never made it in up to those things. I think Givaldi might have been the first. Um, And and it's because they have procedures. where the classroom's locked, and they block that window so they can't see in. These people are in a a race for time, these, these attackers. So they go to that classroom and try and open. It doesn't open. They move on. They move on to the next one, and they're looking for easy targets, right? We want to give them hard targets. And I still don't understand, the, the, is it a money issue? Because I think in this case, Tom, what is it, 750000 for to have an armed presence there? I mean, if you ask me, that's a bargain. They, you know, you ever see a school vote. I have in my district. you ever look at votes and, and all of the money that's involved in there? It's sort of like they hold you hostage. Well, you know, there's not going to be a B lacrosse team this year unless you pass it. And you, you look at, like, to put in a new track, it's like a million dollars. What are we talking about? This is students' lives. We're talking about protecting your children. Is it not worth it? I, I always am a supporter of having trained professional former law enforcement officers on school property, if you have that in your budget. And, and I also have always been a proponent of, I like the idea of what you're going to end up getting, Tom, is you're going to get Law enforcement officers, most likely retired, that live in that community, and it's important to them. This is their school district. This is their kids who go to that school. And I think that makes it even a better idea to move forward with plans like this. Again, I think it's just an emotional response to the the idea of firearms on a school campus
0: is so key to it and you are right i i had started the story from when he entered the building and i I just could picture him walking down the hall uh with that gun i mean that there that rifle that would have been no issue i keep thinking that had he confronted an armed security guard, there's no issue there there's no discussion there there's no reason for that to have happened and yes he did fire rounds outside the building he did fire rounds in some of the classrooms. That's where many of the teachers were initially alerted. So there was a telegraph of that, too. What about the argument, because we're using Uvalde. It is the most uh, horrific recent one. There's been, obviously, the six-year-old who got a hold of a gun from his uh, mom and, and shot his first-grade teacher. Uh, again, another another situation that uh, you know defies the imagination. But the fact that the argument that some of the people in South Huntington used is saying, well, wait a minute, the Uvalde uh, uh, school district, they, had, they actually had a Uvalde uh, school police department or something like that. They had a police department that was attached to the school, an entire police department, albeit not a lot of people. Uh, what about the argument? And look what happened in that situation. How, how would you counter that? Let's say if a school district came to Base, uh CEO, Global Threat Solutions, Security Consulting Protection, and so on, they come to you, and they say, well, what, what are you going to do different than the Uvalde school district?
1: Yeah, so uh, obviously the thing is going to be training. I mean, yes, they could use Uvalde and say, look, they had this armed school police department, and look what happened. Yeah, they were incompetent, and they're being highlighted nationally for that incompetence people are being held responsible that is not the model to follow that you know it, why don't they highlight the instance where there's been a successful resolution where there was armed security and they stopped the shooter and that's happened many times i mean just because you've uvalde occurred doesn't mean we that the idea of having an armed presence in schools is uh, a failure that's that, that's not a solid argument i don't think you could bring up many cases where it has worked so, you know, I think they, I, it comes down to even what we're seeing right now with, um, with the, the case in Memphis, which is obviously no schools shooting Anthony, but it comes down to training, Tom. It's going to be training specifically for these armed security officers to be prepared for, the, for what their, their, their purpose is, for someone to be bringing a firearm, causing harm to those children in that school district. And that has to be, it's a perishable skill. It has to be ongoing training. It can't be, yeah, I took the eight-hour course, I'm good. It has to be ongoing training. I mean, that's why we have tactical teams, right, in, in the United States. Because, yeah, the patrol officers have a level of training, but those people do it every day. They do it every single day. In, in Long Island, we have ESU teams and in the city. They have an ESU team. On the West Coast, they use the swap model. That's why they have that, because they're training constantly, and that's where they're good at what they do. So I think any armed element has to have ongoing training. That should be included in your program uh, at any school to have armed officers for security. That's what it comes down to. And also, hire the right people. Hire the right people. Make good decisions. You know, vet your people who you're bringing on, people who have solid experience in this area, former law enforcement officers. And I think it's a good idea. And, again, for for the money that school districts, go look at their entire budget. And to provide that level of security for your students, I think it's a bargain.
0: And and uh, I think a lot of people are in agreement. I think you're going to see more school districts across Long Island do this. Now I would be remiss having you on this program right now, and weighing very heavily is what we saw on Friday night with the video coming out of Memphis. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on it, and uh, then uh, be very much interested to see what what you have to say. I watched as much. I watched the whole thing a couple of different times. Of course, I'm very curious to see what happened before they started rolling the tape. What was the purpose of the car stop? uh what uh, what were the actions of uh of uh the the, the subject prior to the uh, initial body cam uh, did he try to flee was there any recklessness going on uh, and I, when I say try to flee, try to flee with the uh, with the vehicle. So I did want to see that. I did see the reaction initially of the officers that went over to the car and, and how they reacted to that. And I know you and I are on the same page when it comes to I've always felt and I've made numerous arrests in my life. And some of them got pretty, pretty uh, uh, hectic, I should say, is that when, once you had the handcuffs on the individual, uh, to me, it was all over. The stress level went down. It was prior to that when the fight began, and I was watching it very closely, Uh, I think, uh, and I would have to say this safely, that he he was not complying initially, and he did get up and run. But at what level does a police officer, you know, and I know how I handled it, that you're going to do everything that you need lawfully, and I want to underscore the word lawfully and tactically uh, to subdue the subject the best you can. And I certainly there were were uh, uh, items there, and there were uh, uh, actions there that uh, certainly went beyond that. And I think that's what got us to where it is. And uh, it, it's it's said It was sad to watch it because even though you needed to subdue the subject for whatever reason, the reason we don't know at this point, and I think that plays a lot into the discussion itself. Um, I, I was I was concerned to the to. Uh, what what precipitated this whole thing as i just said but also the the tactics that that were needed that when a person does not want to be handcuffed at what point Uh, Do you have to, what level uh, do you take in order to subdue that subject, which I think was what they were trying to do here, uh, was to handcuff him, because he was not complying with that. He wanted answers to his questions prior to if he was going to comply, which he had, I don't think he had any intention of complying. But at the same time, there were actions that took place on those videos that uh, were tactically not sound whatsoever. And that's my analysis of what I saw. I was saddened by what I saw. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think America was said, and Tom, you know, it's it's one of those videos very, very hard to watch. You have to watch it, especially someone like us who's going to sit and comment on it and give our opinions. Um, a few things I took from it, of course, everyone wants to see the context before. Um, not that um, You know, it's so hard to comment on such a raw emotional issue because you don't want people to think you're justifying anything. It's not the point. We still need to know. They came out loaded for bear when they ran up to that door. These guys were heated. That could just be because he wasn't stopping. You know, that that's something that happens. The adrenaline pumps when there's a, a chase or someone's refusing to stop. Police get um, get a lot of adrenaline. They run up and sometimes, in this case, clearly um, overreact. But we don't know that backdrop. But what I would say is two levels. First of all, you know, there's no justifying this. It's painful to watch. And, and there's obviously a level of training that's uh, absent because there's, there's the, the uh inhumanity and cruelty that we saw that happen but there's also a level of like keystone cops that is occurring here where i mean it seems like they don't know what they're doing they're disorganized he gets up and runs away in the middle of it one of them is so uh winded he can't even speak it was a complete embarrassment and a disaster uh watching it from a police perspective how this went down and then uh there's also the time where you have one officer, he, uh, one's trying to club him, one's macing him, one's dry-stunning him with the stun gun, and then another one, they stand him up at one point, and he's kind of spinning around just trying to tee off and, and hit him in the face. And obviously, one of these uh, these strikes to this individual's head caused him to have brain swelling, and days later he died, and that's where we are, where we are right now, watching this in, in the aftermath. Um, so there's a couple things I would say about that. Obviously, Police training is number one, and these guys did not seem qualified to be doing what they're doing. But another thing, I always say this again, you have to speak, tread so lightly because you don't want people to think in any way you're justifying this. But in every one thing's for sure, if the, if the loss of life is exactly what we're concerned about right now, the first thing, the priority, it seems that there needs to be more uh, uh, education to communities and how to respond to these police stops um as far as compliance one thing for sure um with with George Floyd everybody included every one of these cases is if they complied they'd all be alive today i'm not justifying the actions of these police it's not the point but he was when you watch his video I, I i felt like Freeman just put your hands behind your back in the beginning so this could stop my god and it's just i think in, in um in these communities sometimes There's such a negative image um, towards the police when children are so young that it's a default setting to not comply, a default setting to resist. Again, I'm not justifying any of the actions of these police officers, not the point, but had he, he'd probably be alive right now. And I don't think there's enough done on that level across America as far as the use of force and and obviously these officers violated the use of force continuum completely. But to educate people, listen, we have the greatest criminal justice system in the world. You know, you will have your your ability to fight these charges or fight any accusations by the police. But the first thing you need to do is comply. Comply, make sure you walk away from this incident, and then you can fight it. Because every one of these cases starts the same way, with someone not complying. And it's uh, it's frustrating sometimes to see that. As far as this department, they have a lot of training to do. They have, uh, you know, I'm not so sure I would, uh, I would get rid of I understand the emotional response to close that unit and get rid of the name of that unit because people are always going to associate it with this. But those street crime units, a well-trained street crime unit and a police department, they're the most effective units we have. They're the people who aren't running 911 calls to one call to another and being reactive. They're being proactive. They're going after the bad people. In communities, the guys who have guns and gang members and drug dealers. So I think those units are very necessary, but they need to be well trained and the most experienced officers. I don't think we saw that here at all
0: to say, I mean, you're right on with the analysis uh, right here, and I've been saying it on my program, the midday program, is uh, just comply, just comply, just comply. Don't ask questions, don't debate. You know, I've said this and I've taught criminal justice too at the Suffolk Community College uh, for for many years, and and would tell the young students that were were seeking a degree uh, in criminal justice, wanted a, a career in law enforcement and so on, that the most important thing that a person, a subject who is encountering with the police is is don't debate the police and that's uh, initially that's what what he did is why are you stopping me why is this why is that just go along with it as you just said just put your hands behind your back be handcuffed and let's say they take you in the time for your uh getting your what what is perceived as your justice is when you get your attorney or you argue the case in court or you get it dismissed or you you have to go to trial or whatever the reasons is if there's probable cause for an arrest let it let it play out in the calmness of a courtroom setting not on the streets in the middle of the night. And uh, again, when you when one thinks about it, so this whole idea of fighting and fighting and fighting, and those of us who did time in uniform like yourself and, and like I did, we all were in those situations uh, with subjects, and you do what you can tactically to subdue them within the law. And I can remember many instances when then you're trying to uh, subdue a person, but you're trying to be lawful. And in 99.9 percent of the cases, you are lawful because you've received the training, you've received the tactical response to that, and so I, that's what I spent my time watching on Friday to see where it drew the line. And of course, after he was in handcuffs, finally, which took such a long period of time, and 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 at one point fleeing, the uh, the uh, I, I guess some abuse did take part after that and that's when you know that that goes away way way over the line so those of us who uh have the affinity towards law enforcement like yourself and like i do it's a sad day ken it's a sad day
1: yeah yeah and i i hope something comes from this every time one of these incidents happens i hope something comes out of this that's positive again education is a big part of it But everybody, everyone in America should understand, because you hear these crazy concepts out there, even now following this one where, you know, people, police officers, why this is coming from top level government officials in our country saying, why do they have to shoot to kill? And why don't they shoot to wound and all this nonsense that has nothing to do with the force continuum and how police officers are trained and what it's like to be in one of those situations where your heart's going, you're you're, um, so, so fast. You can't react. That's why in in many shootings, I mean, they're at just feet away, and people are missing. Because it's not like the movies. This isn't like the movies. And it's it's, people's heart rates are high. It's very hard to react. And people need to know how to respond. Americans don't have a right to resist arrest. Sometimes I think that needs to be explained. You don't have that right to resist arrest. You have the right to fight it, of course. And if the argument is that, hey, in some of these communities, these people don't have the money or the means to fight um uh, a case like that, well then fine, that's an argument to be had. Let's create a fund for situations just like this when you get stopped and you think you were wrongfully accused. And we do have public defenders, but if they wanna if they want to bolster the uh, funds for cases like that, great. But the idea is first comply. Go home, be able to, to, to live the next day, and then we can fight that case. But the way that I think people need to be educated about the force continuum. It's an injustice and no one has that voice in this country you know there's many reasons a great thing a great example tom there's many reasons that the police can shoot an unarmed suspect there's many valid reasons for that and if you say that to a regular civilian who's never been trained they'd be like what are you talking about how could you shoot someone unarmed you know if there's two assailants attacking a police officer trying to get the gun yeah you could shoot them they don't have to have a gun there's many situations like that you know we're all supposed to be in the police business one step ahead this isn't supposed to be a fair fight. And I think they need to educate the public. It's sort of a separate uh, um, uh, issue from what we're talking about. This was obviously uh, poor training and just outright um, abuse in this situation. But I think what I'm saying as far as educating the public, first comply. But here's what police, show when they give you these orders, here's what you need to do. You will go home. You will be alive. That's the first fight. And then you can fight your case later on. And I think that that really needs to be i know there's so much call for police reform well that needs to be part of any reform you know when you look at the numbers tom even hundreds of millions of calls for service in this country every year and you look at how very few cases are cases like this one where it's legitimately um uh, uh police abusing their power and killing someone it is so minuscule it's microscopic compared i know every case it's a uh, uh Painful And emotional and they need to we need to do everything we can to avoid those. But the number is so low. If you listen to the media, it sounds like this is rampant. And that's what's happening every day in every precinct and every police department in the country. And it's simply not the case. You know, at the level of that, it's such a microscopic number for all the calls that they handle. I think the public doesn't really understand that it doesn't get the exposure and that people that they should understand how it really works
0: well said can uh that and i think the the, uh, the harm that uh, has put upon the policing profession already the numbers are coming out by the far far left and by the media that is so uh, going after police organizations all across this country. Anti-crime units have done so much. They reduced the the crime in New York City for many years until de Blasio took them off the street and then the crime rates went up, a number of guns went up. So uh, these anti-crime units, they're working, they're working well and uh, I think the the damage that we've done here now, and it's people like yourself and people like me, now will begin the fight and the fight will be against the defund movements and the training movements and stopping car stops and by the police and so on. All of this is being said and uh the, the the wrong numbers and statistics that uh, I, I read one the other day where a media outlet said that the police killed three people a day and i'm i'm looking at that i'm going well uh, i first of all I, i've never seen the statistical analysis of that but anytime a police officer has to use deadly physical force and take and take a life is because that person is trying to take the life of an innocent person or of that police officer and that's that's it that's, that's re- the reason why that would happen and not to mention how many police officers have been injured last year, I think it was an epidemic number, injured and killed in the line of duty, every week there's a handful and so this is something that we have to consider, but believe it or not, we're out of time, Ken Bombay Ken will be on the show, my show at 12.35, uh, coming this Wednesday, Ken is on every Wednesday at 12.35 on your island with Tom Chalero Ken Bombay, thank you very much, appreciate it